Today's scripture reading is from Matthew 18, 1 through 6. If you'd like to follow along in our Pew Bibles, this is page 823. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly, I say to you, Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Stephanie. Quick prayer. So Lord, we just give this time before you and we ask that uh, this day, this time, this worship, this word be from you and not from just humans. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Well, Happy New Year, Regen. So I'm Mike, one of the elders here, and we're letting uh, Pastor Albert have a little time off. Um, the scripture we had for today is uh, Jesus pulling a little child out from the crowd and saying, unless you become like little children. So why that theme for today? Well, it's New Year's, and we usually think of uh, New Year's is represented by a little baby, the last year is represented by an old man, and there's a lot of themes in the Bible using um, being a child and growing up from being a child that we'll take a look at. So we usually think of Christmas, it's in Isaiah 9-6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we think of Christmas as a time when there's baby Jesus. And in uh, our house, we had uh, another one. So just, so it may have made some of your mothers a little anxious when you hear that. <laughs> our, our daughter gave birth like three days before Christmas. So, so there's a lot of baby, baby energy going on. Um, so little baby Wyatt came into the world just before Christmas. Um, you know, we think of these, these babies and they, they pop out, they're defenseless, they leak at both ends. And uh, it's a good thing Wyatt wasn't born on Christmas because there's no mail delivery on Christmas. Um, as, uh, and some people, you know, they have one child, some have none, um, some have many. Um, someone asked us, uh, is it okay to have a baby after 40? And I thought, you know, you know 40 babies is probably enough. Um, so the thing is with uh, babies, they're completely defenseless when they come into the world. 
And we, and we come to the Lord, are also somewhat defenseless, but that baby's protected by its mother, its parents, and to be able to enter that world in safety. Not always safe, like Allie looked over and said, uh, what's that baby in the crib? And, and uh, Ian said, well, you told me to change the baby. Um, oh, so never mind. Um, so well, let's take a look at what Jesus said in John 3, 1 to 7. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God and that no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered to him, truly, truly, I say to you that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So being born of the flesh is uh, what each one of us had in our first day of life. Um, you know, while Allie was going through labor, I suggested to Ian that, why don't you tell some dad jokes? But you know, dad jokes don't always get, you know, mothers don't always laugh when uh, the dad's trying to cheer up the mom because, uh, you know why? Because it's all in the delivery. Sorry, sorry. Um, so anyway, um, Allie had a, um, a, it was her first baby, and um, uh, it was incredibly long labor. Started on Sunday, and the baby was born on Thursday. She was one completely exhausted, but super happy mother. I have one picture of her where if you take the picture and you cut it off at the nose, it's just these droopy, tired eyes that can barely even open, and you go from the nose down, and it's a smile that goes from ear to ear. So in the same way, we are, not exactly the same way, but we are born by faith, through the Spirit, into Christ. Um, it is sometimes painful. It's especially painful for those who are praying for others to enter the kingdom, it was painful unto death for Jesus. But it's pain to be able to be released into the world for our own children and for us from our mothers. But it is pain for us to be set free from sin into life in Jesus. So in Romans 8, 22 to 24, it says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So bearing a child is incredibly painful. So for Ali, for any of us, um, any of us, any of the mothers, you know, to go from one centimeter up to 10 centimeters, and um, labor is involuntary. 
You have no control over it. It is painful. It talks about it in Genesis that the, the mother shall bear pain in childbirth as a reminder of the sin that we have in this world, unfortunately. In Galatians 4, 19, at the end of the verse, it says, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And this is Paul in his letter to the Galatians, just talking about the pain he's going through in praying for the Galatians, that they might come to the Lord, grow in the Lord, be set free from the lies of this world, and so on. But there again, there's a lot of analogies. So when a baby first comes down the birth canal, it's its first inoculation with beneficial bacteria, um, its um, first milk, it gets the first antibodies from the mother and inoculation and so on. And in the same way, when we are first born of Jesus, when we first give our life to the Lord, we have an inoculation in the spirit. We have the word of God to turn to, to protect us. We know that there's where to be fed. We know where pastor is. We know where our spiritual family is. But in the same way that a baby has milk before solid food, spiritually, there's milk before solid food. Now, take a look at mother's milk first. According to the CDC, a mother's milk is the best source of nutrition for most babies. Uh, the, as the baby grows, the mother's milk actually changes to meet the baby's nutritional needs. Um, breastfeeding can help protect babies against some short and long-term illnesses and diseases. Uh, babies who are breastfed have a lower risk of asthma, obesity, type 1 diabetes, and sudden infant death syndrome. Breastfed babies are also less likely to have ear infections and stomach bugs. The breast milk has antibodies from the mother, which help babies develop a strong immune system and protects them from illness. And, and then there's convenience for the mother as well in that you don't have to carry around a refrigerator. And uh, it also reduces the mother's risk of breast and ovarian cancer, type 2 diabetes, and high blood pressure. So there's benefit for both the receiver of the milk as well as the giver of the milk. But spiritual milk, um, we get the basics. There's Christ and him crucified. There's the cross. There's um, turning away from sin, repentance, believing in Christ as Lord. But if you only go to the belief stage and not to the growth stage, you're still only consuming milk. Um, Paul, when he was speaking to the Corinthians, he was discussing division in the church. And 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 3, Paul was telling the church, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. But while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? So what is it that takes us from spiritual milk to spiritual solid food? So we get a kind of a glimpse in different places in the scripture. So we'll take a look at Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be 
teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So we see a few things that those who are just a child is unskilled in the word of righteousness and understanding you may believe in God, believe Christ is your savior, but still having a little trouble between right and wrong, good and evil, and distinguishing between the two. So being solid food is for the mature. So if you look at our, ourselves and how we were raised up in our own children, taking a look at Proverbs 22.6, it tells us to train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So what does it mean to train a child in the way they should go in the spirit? Well, if we look at our own lives, well, actually, well, having children is, it's actually a lot like living in a frat house. Nobody sleeps, everything's broken, and there's a lot of throwing up. So those who've had young children probably identify with that. So as young toddlers, as they grow up, they go from milk to like baby food and other things. There's a certain stage where they start walking around and, and they're starting to hit their head on tables and things. And for them, a major accomplishment is to not bang their head, but to go under the table or around it or over the top of it, depending on how agile the kid is. But then as they grow, they learn to walk, they learn to run, start learning things, going to school, learning to talk, to read, to write, um, do mathematics, um, start to learn how to function in the world, they learn in society, they learn how to make friends, how to interact with each other, they learn how to give and take, things like that. Well, in the same way, in spiritual food, as we grow from milk to solid food, well, we can see what it says about hell. I don't think this is in scripture, but hell hath no fury like a toddler whose sandwich has been cut into squares when they wanted triangles. So that's for the little ones. But in scripture, being serious though, we'll look at 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I gave up childish ways. So what does it mean to grow up when he's talking about this and not being a child? So we saw in Hebrews 5, 14, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So how do you know distinguishing good from evil? So if you ever worked in a bank you become really adept at determining what bills are real, which are counterfeit. And the reason how you, how you do that is because you're constantly dealing with real money, real money, real money, real money, real money. This feels funny. Hold it up and go, this one is fake. Because you know and work with constantly the authentic real thing. So as long as you're working with it day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, when the fake comes along, you can tell this is not real. The same thing is in the spirit. Let's go back to the rest of 1 Corinthians 13. 
If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, these will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And then we get back to that scripture we referenced before. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. For I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So if you think about growing up in spiritual maturity, from a baby, growing on milk to solid food, and giving up childish things, we can see in 1 Corinthians that growing in love, faith, hope, and love, that those three are things that we need to practice, 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 until that faith is authentic, that faith is real, that hope is authentic, that hope is real, that love is authentic, that love is real, that you continue to exercise these things. So as those continue to grow, then the solid food becomes more and more nourishing. So in the same way that that baby receives nourishment from the mother through the milk, the mother receives something in return. In the same way that we, as we receive love from others in the body, that as we give love out in meaningful ways, God continues to grow us up in a deep and nourishing in a way that we become strong. So if you look at uh, Jesus, in Luke 22, 39 to 40, when uh, Joseph and Mary finally returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So Jesus continued to grow. He was building up, since he was the son of God, he was receiving from his father and growing in the word. And I'm sure he was growing in faith and hope and love and pouring out. You could see it at the wedding feast when his mother said, Jesus, they're out of wine. Go make some more. And he goes and makes, you know, not, you know, a goblet full, but tens of gallons of wine. And we can see it as well in Luke 2, 41 to 52. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, 
As they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know I must be in my father's house? And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So what Mary saw was like, you don't know what anguish I went through. And if you've ever lost a child in a crowded, you know, crowded store or the mall, or like we had um, our son wandered off from us when he was three years old in Monterey, and, and we were just you know, in a tizzy looking for him. It's a lot of anguish for the parents. But Jesus, he's going, I'm learning from my father what I need to be as I grow up. My stepfather might be a carpenter, but my real father is the creator of heaven. And I'm here learning from my father in heaven, the same as I've learned from my stepfather on earth, the trades and the skills that I need to be able to grow in maturity, to be able to go in my ministry. So you know, um, one little aside, you know, I never give to charities that organize marathons. You know why? They just take the money and run. No, seriously, we need to, in the spirit, we are called to run the race. So Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despite despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So in our flesh, as we grow, when we're young, we grow in many different ways. Um, as we get older and more mature, we might go into sports and tune up skills and our muscles and reflexes. We might take up rock climbing. We might take up music and perfect our skills there. It could be that you know, you're really into video games with super high, quick reflexes and quick mental skills to be able to excel in those. But you continue to grow stronger and perfect those skills. In the same way in the spirit, how do you stay stress-free? How do you, um, stress-free probably is not the right term, but we want to challenge ourselves in the spirit the same way we challenge ourselves in the flesh to grow stronger in different areas. So in James 1, 2 to 4, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So the key is that testing of trials is not so much that just because you became a Christian you're going to be tested, but you will be tested more 
the more that you step out in faith to be able to do God's work. So it is spiritual work. Um, let's see, well, how many of you ever get up at five or six in the morning to go to like a boot camp to get a lot stronger, do all those push-ups, sit-ups and things, a few of you? So in the same way you put that extra effort in to get your physical body stronger, um, I would challenge some to volunteer to get up at five or six in the morning to help out at cross streets. It's challenging your faith in a way to pour out love. To talk to someone on the street who you may see on a regular basis on the bus or BART or whatever, and, and to get to know them is stepping out in faith. And sometimes that takes courage to offer to pray for someone that is not in your family. Offer to pray for someone at work is testing your faith. To step out in uh, short-term missions is testing your faith. Uh, to step out in full time like Mike and his family in the UK, which uh, the UK this year has now statistically has uh, a minority that are believing Christians. It's now place where people have come from eons to the U.S. and other colonies to be able to practice their faith that they weren't allowed to has now has fewer Christians than non-Christians. Um, to be able to give of your life, to give of your home, and especially to pour out your life into others is testing your faith. Taking time out of each day to read the word and to grow helps you to grow in maturity, and that takes time and effort. So it's that constant exercising of your faith, exercising of hope, exercising of love, so that it's authentic. So when you see what's not real, we have lots of things in this world to challenge us and to pull us away from God that try to be authentic, but when you're constantly in faith, in hope, in love through Christ, when you see that which isn't real and is fake, you can see it right away and test it. So in 1 John 4, 3, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So as we get back to the scripture in Hebrews 5, 12 to 14, and verse 14, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So I don't think there's a single one of us that can go through a single 24-hour hour period without being accosted by something that is from the world and not from God that would be categorized as evil. Just seeing billboards, opening up your phone, turning on the TV, opening the newspaper, you see it right and left, either intentionally thrown at you or the side effects of evil that have been caused to someone. We see it all the time. But we can counter that with good through Jesus, through prayer, through love, and through outreach. So in the flesh, we were born into the world, and we grew in strength, we grow in our mind, we grow through our family, we grow in society, 
We were born into the world, but through Christ we are not of the world. We grow strong through the word, we grow strong through faith, we grow strong through prayer, we grow strong through worship, we grow strong through loving others. So you want to share the love that God has given you, but flee the sin, the same as when you were first born and you left your mother into this crazy, wild world and protected by your mother and your parents to be able to grow and thrive through Jesus and your family in Christ, you're also to grow and thrive. John 17, verses 14 to 16, Jesus said, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So as you were born in the flesh, you are also born in the spirit. In 1 Peter 1, 22 to 23, having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Now let us pray. So we'll do communion. Um, if anyone needs communion elements, there'll be someone to come through with those. Hand them out. So the little wafer on the top represents the body of Christ and the uh, unfermented wine on the bottom represents the blood of Christ. The Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take the bread of Christ. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.